Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by the voice of the WinFL Show, Mr. Tim Durbin. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm smashing, if I do say so myself. And what a sexy voiceover it is you have for your program as well. It's, it sounds it sounds tall. T- tall? You could, well, yeah. okay, I don't You sound tall. Don't That's, tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. All right, there we go. Okay, so Tim, we will kick off immediately with a recap of Week 8, starting with the Thursday night game, Baltimore Ravens. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Ravens come away from Raymond James Stadium with a 27-22 victory. Uh, Tim, what were your thoughts on this game? Did you watch it? I watched the, well, I watched the highlights. I don't watch a lot of games in, in their entirety. But I watched the highlights of almost all the games, and I, I think it's I think it's great because New England fans have got have got something to cheer about this year because Tom Brady is now bad. <laughs> it's, it's such a nice change for everyone that Tom Brady is now having to like bark at his teammates and lose. The, maybe I don't. Maybe it's his personal life sort of getting in the way. But uh, I hope not. I hope he's okay for his sake. But um, but Lamar Jackson, you know, not, take nothing away from him. He was after the half, especially, is fantastic. Eight for eight after the half uh, with two touchdowns. You know, can't complain about that. And they were just they were just beaten by a better team. And I think um, I think Tom Brady is is rapidly being shown that his retirement year would have been last year. I think it does seem. Every game now, and I, I've spoken of this for two weeks, three weeks in a row now. He is just throwing strops and tantrums on the sidelines. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's totally unbecoming, um, yeah. and it's it's not it's not like him. Some people saying, "Oh, he's always been like that." He no, he hasn't always been like that. The reason no, it used it, to get okay. shown is because he wasn't like that. So when he That's did, right. so yeah. So when he did throw a tantrum, it was highlighted. But it seems like it's every week now, and uh, he didn't really get an awful lot of help from his team. But then you know that this Baltimore Ravens team, uh, you're two hundred thirty-one rushing yards uh, right, against yep. forty-four for the Buccaneers. I mean, it's just <laughs> this this Baltimore Ravens team with with Lamar. It's just it. I never know how to pick their games because I don't know which version of the Ravens is going to turn up. But this one turned up and it was a 27-22 win. So we're going to move yeah. on to the next game then. And it was the Sunday afternoon game. Morning if you were in the States. Who was that? Who was that, my friend? Um, well, I'll tell you. This was played at <laughs> Wembley Stadium. And it was the Denver Broncos taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in front of a record London attendance, I should point out, of 86,250. People and wouldn't you know it, the Broncos actually upset the Jaguars by a score of twenty-one to seventeen. And I'm not, I, I am not going to rant about this game. So I'm going to let you talk first, Tim, before I, I give my, my uh, tuppence worth on this one. What did you make of the Broncos Jags game? I thought it was, you know, both teams have had have had their challenges this year, and both have sort of middle of pack records. Um, you know, 191 rushing yards for the Jags, and what I thought was interesting was that. Um, uh, we saw some games this week where the rushing game really worked for teams, and then we saw some games where it really just didn't, where it had loads and loads of rushing yards, but it did them no good whatsoever. In this case, this one where it didn't really help the Jags to get 191 uh, rushing yards, and they still losing 21-17. Broncos played well. They're, they seem to have improved quite a bit. I think Dulcich uh, coming on was um, uh, sort of coming, come back into the fold and getting his, getting his feet under him has been really good for the Broncos as well. Um, really helped their passing game, which of course will have a knock-on effect on the rushing game as well. So uh, it was a good game, and I thought you know two teams that at, at this point neither one looks like world beaters, but it's good for like for yourself for a Broncos fan. It's good to see them putting some things, some things together and performing well. I thought. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was good to get the win. Uh, now, you mentioned Greg Dulcich, the tight end. He, he's looking uh, really good. Really yeah. good. Looks like a good target for Russell Wilson. I'm not going to lie to you. So I was at the game. Now, I was up in the nosebleeds. Right, way up in the corner. Uh, so when the when the Broncos received the opening kickoff, they were right uh, below me. I could see them because that's that's the side of the field I was on. And uh, Russell Wilson's first pass should have been intercepted. It should have been a pick six. His very first pass should have been a pick six. Now it wasn't. They went three and punted. That's fine. Um, his next pass was an interception. I swear to God, Tim. I was just watching this game and I was thinking, oh my word. What in the wide, wide world of sports are you doing? And I just couldn't believe I expected this to be a blowout by this point for the Jaguars. But this Denver defense kept them in again. And then... Russell Wilson started throwing some very nice looking passes. Uh, yeah, he, he, he did. Really did. He hit one to Hamlet, which was just, oh, it was sweet to watch. He finished the game 18 to 30, 252 yards, one touchdown, and the aforementioned interception. Trevor Lawrence, he, I, right. So I was going to say Trevor Lawrence looked bad, but I'll be mm-hmm. honest, I think the Denver defense made him look bad. Uh, Justin yeah, Simmons had more. Yeah, he's still not quite coming into his own yet. He's not quite. You know, he had all this promise coming in. You know, so he was a rookie last year, wasn't he? Um, and he and he just never has kind of. He hasn't quite hit his stride yet. I think he will, uh, but he's not quite there yet. Yeah, he's not there yet, and it's it's been unfair to him the criticism he's got because it, again, it's not his fault. He was the first player taken in the draft. That's it's not yeah, him. <laughs> And it's, and it's not his fault that because he was the best player in college, he went to an absolute, you know, fire pit in Jacksonville and just went to the worst organization uh, with with everything that was going on last year with Urban Meyer. Oh, it was a shambles. That's not on Trevor Lawrence. I think we can just scrap that here and look at this as his proper rookie year. I think we need yeah. to do that. Um He's certainly doing better. He's certainly, you know, yeah, I think he's got, he's starting to show some of the promise. Hopefully he continues to build on that. Certainly. Uh, and Travis Etienne, my goodness, 24 carries, 156 yards, and a touchdown, including a 49-yarder. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's looking really good because this is um, his de facto first year. He, he missed all of last year with an injury. So this is his first year. Uh, of course, they traded James Robinson away, and Etienne uh, gets all the carries, and he turns up at 24 for 156. So good for him. Uh, and that's I, I'm leaving it there. I'm not going to say any more about the Broncos. You can you can say you can say let's ride if you want. You can say Broncos country if you want. Oh, do you know I can? I can for the first time <laughs> for the <laughs> for the first time in a long time, Broncos country. <laughs> let's ride. There you go. There we go. There we are. So we're going to be moving on then, and we come to uh, Ford Field in Detroit, where the Miami Dolphins were visiting the Detroit Lions in front of sixty-one thousand four hundred and forty-seven fans. The Dolphins mm-hmm. came in and. My goodness, the Lions had the lead. They mm-hmm. had the lead. Yep. They hit twice, and then 14 <laughs> nothing in 21-7. And the right. Dolphins just came back and absolutely... Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the only scores in the entire second half. Two touchdowns by the Army Dolphins in the third quarter. No scoring from the Lions. I feel so sorry for these Lions. I mean, what did, what do you reckon, Tim? What did you think of this one? 
they're, they're very creative. The Lions they keep finding new and inventive ways to lose, to 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 snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. You know, um, and, and you know, Tua the the <laughs> the QB for Miami. You know, what a performance! One hundred thirty-eight uh, QB rating for the day. You know, unbelievable. I, and I hate to say it, but he's probably due for a concussion. So I hope they enjoyed that game. Well, <laughs> steady on. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> yeah, no. The, the, about, every, about every third game, about every third game, he gets a concussion, so he's due for one. You know, I, he's not going to last much longer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was twenty nine of thirty six for three hundred and eighty two yeah. yards and three touchdowns. That is absolutely stellar play yeah. by Tua. Now, I, I before the season, I was his biggest detractor, and I mm-hmm. thought that he was uh, awful. Um, I, I thought last year he, I mean, unlike. Trevor Lawrence, I thought too, I was put in a, a fairly decent position in Miami. It wasn't yeah, great, yeah. but it certainly wasn't as bad as, you know, we'd seen in Jacksonville. And, yeah, yeah. but oh my word, he he looked rotten last year. And I, I thought he yeah. was going to look rotten this year. And boy, have I been proved wrong. Top rated passer in the NFL. And yeah. uh, Tyree Kill, again, uh, <laughs> 188 receiving yards on 12 catchers. They are just throwing a tidy kill constantly. And because of that, Jalen Wardle gets wide open sometimes. He had eight catchers for 106 and two touchdowns. What do you think of this receiving duo for the Dolphins? Tyree kills him a fantasy team, and I, you know I took him. Nobody <laughs> wanted him because he left the Chiefs, and I thought, you know what? I don't care who the QB is. You throw it to Tyree Hill, he's going to catch it. He's going to get some yards after the catch. You know, every single time you can count on it. You know, and he has not let me down by far. The the most uh, reliable, consistent um, wide receiver in the league, and with, with Cooper Cup having a bit of an, a bit of an off year. You know, Tyreek Hill has been that model of consistency throughout the year, and then like to have a model on the, on the side as well, who can who, who's not, not a bad catcher himself. You know, a pass catcher. So yeah, I think it's fantastic. And I, I, to, to all joking aside about Tua and his injuries, you know, uh, watching those videos a few weeks ago was absolutely heartbreaking. It was really concerning yeah, for him. Yeah. You know, and, and I thought I'm so glad he's okay, but I'm always I'm always sort of watching those highlights. My with my you know from behind the sofa because I'm terrified for him. You know, um, he just looks like from one of the, a couple of those injuries. I thought. One more good hit, and he could actually do himself a proper a proper mischief, you know. So I hope that they're that they're taking care, and uh, and I hope his offensive line is <laughs> is performing well for the rest of the season, you know. Yeah, because I mean, uh, as as everyone has already uh, alluded to, when you get one concussion, the next one is much easier to come by and tends to be more severe. Yeah. That definitely yeah. looked like a second concussion. In well, weeks. he had on on two consecutive weeks. Yeah, yeah so on on the th- and it was on the Thursday. It was it was a short the short week there. Yeah, so yeah. you you've got to think if if you know God forbid if he gets another concussion that that could be really bad news. Maybe not just for the season, maybe his entire career. So they need to look I'm after. Tua. I'm guessing that whatever family he has is sitting home going, please stop, please quit, please become a coach, please just. You're going to training or coaching or something. You're player yeah. development. Going to something other than other than getting your bell rung. You know, five times a week. You know, I mean, I dread to think if he comes up against if they were to come up against against Dallas or Philadelphia or one of these teams that whose defensive line is is ferocious, is absolutely vicious. You know, and they get five six sacks a game. You know, uh, some of those tackles on him weren't even that hard. He just hit the ground wrong. You know, um, and you just you do worry for him. So we'll keep our we keep our fingers crossed that he maintains his health throughout the year because he's. He's having a belt of a year so far, apart from the injuries. He certainly is. And now on the other side of the ball, because, I mean, the, there was another team playing, the Detroit Lions, Jared Goff, yeah, 20, 27 of 37, 321 yards, one touchdown, no picks, only sacked once. Jamal yeah. Williams, 10 rushes, 53 yards, 
two touchdowns. You look at that and go, I bet you that team won. Well, you would think that, you know, they, they scored, they scored 27 points and that was their stats. And you think, yeah, that should be a win. But like I said, Detroit finds new and inventive ways to lose every single week. It's, it's, it's fascinating to watch them. You know, the, I suppose the, the best loss this week is, is Atlanta, Carolina. We'll come to that in a minute, I suppose. Um, but Detroit finds a way to lose every week. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, but there's something as a, as a lifelong sort of NFL fan, you know, uh, 40, 45 plus years, <clears throat> you know, um, you know, <laughs> I'm used to Detroit being terrible and it comforts me that they're still terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I, I have no idea how this team is one in six, like none. <laughs> I have no idea, but they are. So I uh, will move on. And the next game we come to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. It was the battle of Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh Steelers what and the indeed. Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles yeah. came into this game um, hoping to protect their unbeaten record of 6-0 and and boy yeah. did they do that. Uh, at Lincoln Financial Field in front of 69,879 fans, the Eagles put on a show 35-13 to over the Pittsburgh Steelers and my goodness, first of all, Kenny Pickett looks awful um, and yeah. Jalen Hurts looks right. fantastic. That's just, these guys are polar opposites of each other in the way that their <laughs> seasons are going because hearts yeah hearts just appears to be getting better and better every week and kenny pickett oh, just seems to be getting worse every week i don't know why pickett's still in there as the starter i've got no idea i don't think he should be um they need to get him out of there because he just looks terrible i mean the eagles were 21 to 10 up at halftime and then just yeah they just kept on pulling away aj brown with three touchdown catches in this game what did you make of it tim uh, some and some of those a couple of those catches were fairly spectacular as well fairly you know i mean i suppose your know, hurts look great but really to be honest without aj brown making a couple of those catches hurts uh, looks very pedestrian you know he looked like okay good but not great because AJ Brown caught three of those TD passes, he made Hurts look really, really good. Um, you know, for for a team that's now seven and zero to be the second best team in the NFC East, they're doing well. No, nobody buying that. <laughs> second best, <laughs> I will go with that. I okay, I'm sure we'll come to that later. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, and 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 what Nick Sirianni has done with this team is just unbelievable. It really yeah. is the, the the turnaround. They look so polished. This defense looks absolutely yeah. stacked and the offense yeah. at the moment appears to be unstoppable so we'll see how they, they get on uh, in the weeks to come but then we're going to move on to a game that you've already mentioned and it's mm -hmm. the atlanta falcons and the carolina panthers at mercedes-benz stadium Sixty-eight thousand nine hundred ninety-six fans watched this game and this was a weird one i mean to it was, yeah uh, this was weird. So I think what we'll do for the, for the benefit of our uh, of our listeners, let's let's just give them a couple couple of wee rundowns of exactly sort of what happened uh, towards the end of the 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 fourth quarter in this game. So basically, <laughs> what had happened was leading thirty one twenty eight, the the Atlanta Falcons uh, got a field goal by Young Hoku to put them up. 34 to 28 with 40 seconds to go in the game uh, and then they, they kicked off and pj walker the quarterback for the carolina panthers has been looking good he's been looking good and he marches them down the field and then 
with 23 seconds to go, sorry, beg your pardon, with 14 seconds left, he hits a pass to DJ Moore for 62 yards for the touchdown. Ties it up at 34. Tim, this game's over. Of course it is. The all game's they, over. All, they, all they need to do is kick the extra point, and Carolina walks away with it. It's all over the crying. It's, it's all over. I, it's all over. DJ Moore. Except it's not. Except it's not all. It's over. not all over because DJ Moore has an unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct against him after the <laughs> touchdown. So it's that's fif- right, yeah. fifteen yards, which punts yeah. that extra point attempt from a from a a nineteen yard. No, what is it now? I forget what the what the attempts are now. I can't remember either. So, Twenty three or something. Yeah, so it's for, it's is it from from the fi- where do they snap it from? These it's like a thirty yarder. It's now a 44, yeah. 44 yard extra point, and Eddie yeah. Pinheiro misses the extra point, mm-hmm. and it goes into overtime. I just I yes. couldn't believe it. Couple of backwards and forwards, and then um, Atlanta finally get the ball back in overtime. Take it down the field, and Young Ho Koo kicks a 41-yard field goal to win the game 37-34 for the Falcons. I was uh, I was still in, obviously I was still in London while this was going on, just left the, the, the Broncos game. My uh, brother-in-law, he's a Atlanta Falcons fan, and he was like, oh, game's over. And I was like, oh, no, that's, that's rubbish. And he goes, and he literally like, had his phone, he was watching, he was like, game's over. Threw his phone down. And then about <laughs> 10 minutes later, I was like, what, what was this on some of the other scores? And he said, I don't know. And then he's going, hang on a second. <laughs> he's like, how do the Falcons win this game? I was going, I have no idea how they won this game. No idea. And it looked like they were going to give up a huge lead again. Yeah, well, you see, you see a, a moment where a game changes and you think, you know, okay, that's the momentum shift. And this game, you know, as soon as as soon as he took off his helmet and got that 15-yard penalty, and Atlanta, to their credit, the Atlanta head coach says, oh, no, we're going to apply that on the extra point. We're going to – never mind yeah. the kickoff. We don't yeah. feel position. We're going to apply it on the extra point, which he must have he must have thought complete mind games. Just let's just get inside this kicker, inside Pinero's head, and just make him kick him 15 yards further yep. with the game on the line and his teammates let him down and all that pressure. And he played a blinder because he, he, he boots it wide. And you just thought, well, if Atlanta don't want to win that, I'll eat my hat because the momentum had just, <laughs> just it must have just totally deflated the entire Carolina team, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I look at the stats in this game. Um, Carolina, 169 rushing yards, three touchdowns. Um, yeah. Atlanta, 167, no touchdowns, but they got their touchdowns through the air. Um, 20 of 28 for 253. 53 yards and three touchdowns through the air. I mean, the Atlanta were moving the ball. Marcus oh, yeah. Mariota was doing his thing. Those interceptions, though, my goodness, that's killing them. But, um, you know, rushing, Caleb Huntley, 16 for 91 yards. Kyle Pitts had uh, five receptions for eight yards. He was the leading receiver on the team. Uh, what did you make of, of, of the, what do you make of this Atlanta offense? It seems to be slowly gathering momentum. Into that fact, they're they're four, they're four and four now, and the and they've had uh, two hundred points scored for, two hundred five scored against. Yeah, and that's exactly who they look like. And to be honest, from the looks of it, it's it's home and away. It's you know, it's a complete case of home and away. They're three and one at home, one and three on the road. You know, so you kind of think, okay, that's fine. 
that's a that's a that's a sort of mental state issue. The head coach should be able to address that and say, "Okay, guys, what are we going to do on road games to get our head in the game so we actually perform like we do at home?" Yeah. You know, that's one of those things you would expect the head coach to step in and be able to address. So, um, I don't mean everybody in the NFC South has a has a, a, a negative net points. So it's a it's a, you know they could they're, they're four and four and on top of the division. <laughs> so um, they've got they've got time and they've got some space to kind of uh, sort of invent themselves and get a bit better. So yeah. I like Atlanta. I've always had a soft spot for Atlanta, but because uh, I like I like the city. Um, but uh, yeah, that that discipline thing as a Dallas fan, that discipline thing is hugely frustrating for a for a fan and especially for the head coach. It must be as well because you think. Um, sorry, on Carolina side, rather, you know that that discipline thing of of taking off your helmet oh. that that to be just absolutely head doing, you know. Um, so Atlanta, be the, the only the, the only one that I can think of that is worse than that it was many many years ago and I, and I, I you know I'm going to apologize I forget the name of the gentleman who did it the Kansas City Chiefs were playing the Cleveland Browns huh. and this was way back in the day and uh, the Browns were winning by I think it was it was either one or two points and the, they sacked the Chiefs quarterback oh well it's a, it's a final play of the game and um, mm-hmm. they think the, the player grabs the Chiefs quarterback and as he's pulling him down, the quarterback literally just throws the ball behind him. But he thinks he sacked the quarterback, jumps up, rips off his helmet. Meanwhile, an offensive lineman has picked up the ball and is trundling down the field, gets yeah. knocked out of bounds at the 40-yard line. They're not in field goal range. But because the player took his helmet off, there's a 15-yard penalty added to the end of the run and the Chiefs kick the winning field goal and go walk away with the game. I'm going to find out who that was because um, it's it, it, if you get a chance to to YouTube it, uh, I'm going to find the you know I'm going to find the video right now. That's what I'm going to do. While I'm doing that, um, PJ Walker is is he now the just the starting quarterback for the for the Carolina Panthers for the rest of the season? What do you reckon? What do you think of that? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. It's like so they're. Um, you know, their, their record is such that again, they seem to be having a rebuilding year. They, who, who was it? They traded away. They traded away somebody, um, uh, McCaffrey, of course, wasn't it? Um, so you think, well, they obviously committed to a rebuilding year, you know, so, so maybe part of that involves just, um, just sort of playing about different positions. So I don't, maybe if, um, if maybe Walker be there for a, for a wee spell and then, and then, you know, sort of experiment with the, with the other QBs, I, I don't know. Um, but they've certainly at two and six, even at this stage, they're they're no, nowhere near contenders. You know, they've they've got a terrible record. They've been outscored pretty badly. So, um, you know, I guess the short answer is, will he will he be the QB? Probably nobody except Carolina cares. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you mentioned McCaffrey. They they lose their starting running back, arguably the best weapon in the NFL when he's healthy. Yeah, they healthy, yeah. they got rid of their number one wide receiver. Um, was it Robbie Anderson? What was it? Yeah, that's yeah, you got rid of him. Yeah. And then they immediately go on a two game winning streak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I'm just thinking, what's going on here? And then but of course the, the this game, my goodness, just unbelievable. I feel bad for Carolina with this one. Uh but you know, I, I also feel happy for the for the Falcons to win this one. They they deserved one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I think yeah. I think what we'll do, Tim, we'll move oh hang on. No, I found it, I found it, found the game. Oh, it's yeah, actually it's actually known as the helmet game. Oh really? <laughs> it's known as the helmet game. That's what it's called. Yeah, I, I never knew of the helmet thing being enforced until very recently. Not, not. Like, I mean, it's very, very strict with it now. I've never ever known this, um, uh, this, this helmet thing to be 
to be enforced in it with any great sort of a uh, rigor. You know, it's kind of. I don't think more- I, I. I don't think it happens very often. Oh, it's, sorry, two thousand and two. Dwayne Rudd, the gentleman's name is Dwayne Rudd, who thought he'd sacked the Chiefs quarterback, and then threw his helmet. <laughs> uh, and and they, they end up losing that game. Uh, right, so we're going to move on, Tim, and we're moving on to a team that's very familiar with you. Yes, it is, do. of course, the Dallas Cowboys and the Chicago Cowboys. Bears at AT&T yes. Stadium. 93,767 fans watched the Cowboys absolutely pummel the Bears 49-29. to 29. Um, Dak Prescott just sort of doing Dak Prescotty things. He was very efficient. 21 and 27, 250 yards, two touchdowns. Tony Pollard, 131 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Tim, I'm going to hand it over to you. Tell us all about your Dallas Cowboys. Well, you know, Dallas, and I'm delighted to get the win. Um, my, my internet at the house is playing up, so I, I missed the first quarter, which means I missed the first two Dallas touchdowns, which is disappointing. But um, uh, watching the game, I thought, yep, absolutely fantastic performance on the offensive side of the ball. Our offense and our defense never seem to turn up on the same day, which is a bit frustrating. You know, um, you know, we held um, we held some other teams to, to, you know, 12 points, 17 points, 20 points. We've been a really strong defense all year. And then maybe because we'd already, we were scoring lots of points, we kind of took it easy. But I think that's for, for a team that wants that killer instinct you don't do that. You get up, you get up 14 nil and you go on to get 35 nil, you know, instead yeah. of letting the other team crawl, sort of climb the way back into the, into, into the competition. Um, you know, Chicago runs 240 yards of the ground, you know, and you, again, this is a game where you thought 240 yards on the ground. That's unbelievable. Surely they won the game. They did not, you know, scored 29 mm-hmm. points, 240 yards on the ground. I mean, the passing game was, was not spectacular for, for Chicago. Um, the Cowboys offense finally showed up. And I think, I think there were some reasons for that. I think in um, and this is going from sort of some other Dallas fans as well. I think in Dallas, decisions are made sometimes by Jerry Jones that are based purely on sentiment. Um, and and at this point, for my money, keeping Zeke and there's the starting as the starting running back is a mistake. He's just not the runner he used to be. And you watch Tony Pollard, who's doing you know who's doing Zeke like things, you know, um, and, and just blowing open gaps, you know, just busting through defensive lines like they're not even there. Um, and people say, oh, well, yeah, but Tony, Tony Pollard can't block. Fine. Put Zeke in the game and let him block, you know, um, put him in there as a, as a, as a tailback for, for, uh, you know, for the check downs and things like that and, and let Pollard do his thing and score three TDs per game. I think the, the rest of Dallas responds well when they have some of their star players performing well. And because Zeke isn't the player he used to be, it's almost like, I don't know, he almost can be a, I don't know. I felt the same way about Dak when he doesn't perform. If Dak doesn't perform, the whole team slumps, you know. Um, so, yeah, delighted to get the win, but I thought it was only Chicago. So it's not, we didn't beat any, you know, we didn't beat a real contender, to be honest. Um, but delighted to get the win and, and great to see the offense turn up and great to see Tony Pollard get a chance. I wish that Pollard were the starting running back. That's all I would say about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I, I don't disagree with anything you've said there. Uh, I've got a couple of things to take away from this. Tony Pollard. In the, you know, this year is averaging 6.2 yards per carry. <laughs> yeah, he's a beast. In, in his career, he's 5.3. Now, that yeah. is an average that you want. 5.3 yards per carry and a career average. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you with Tony Pollard, and it just goes to show you that this 
Cowboy Team Mrs. Daka, heck of a lot more than a Mrs. Zeke. That's for sure. Um, yes, absolutely. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Justin Fields because Justin Fields, if you look at his stat line, 17 to 23. He's still not throwing many passes, only through 23, 151 yards, which is awful for 23 attempts, uh, less than 10 yards per completion, Um, and two touchdowns, that's fine, no interceptions, he had a rating of 120. He rushed eight times for 60 yards and a touchdown. So you look at what Justin Fields did, but Justin Fields did the single worst thing um, that I can remember a quarterback doing in quite some time. Now, Last year, Teddy Bridgewater, the, the Broncos were playing the Eagles, right? And Teddy Bridgewater, uh, I believe he threw an interception. And as it was being returned, Teddy Bridgewater had a chance to tackle the Eagles defender who had the ball. And he yeah. made what, what we would know as a business decision. He made uh-huh, a business yeah. decision. He didn't tackle him. He kind of went in his way. Do you know, just to sort of like, but he did not attempt to tackle him. Now, some people were up in arms about it, uh, but I wasn't because I was like, heck no. Teddy Bridgewater's got injury (laughs) history. I don't want him getting injured. You don't want your starting quarterback getting injured. Um, So, because, you know, not only was the the Eagles defender coming at him at full speed, but he had a blocker as well. So Teddy Bridgewater was getting killed if he tried to tackle him. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Even though Broncos lost that game, they did not lose it because of that play. Or, you know, yeah. for, for whatever reason. In this scheme, and, and I know you'll know, um, David Montgomery, another great player, fumbled. <laughs> he fumbled mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. It was picked up by Micah Parsons. Yeah. And uh, Micah Parsons is lying on the ground after picking up the fumble. He's, he's got the ball. He's lying <laughs> down. He's <laughs> trying to get up, lying down. And Justin Fields runs over. Jumps and over. jumps clean over him, doesn't touch him. <laughs> Micah Parsons stands up and his his teammates are going, go, go. And he runs and scores uh, a scoop and score. Six points yes. for yes. the Cowboys. Yes. Now, you cannot tell me that Justin Fields was like, oh, I'm going to make a business decision here and jump hurdle Micah Parsons that was not a business decision that was a moronic decision I don't know what he was thinking I have no (laughs) idea the only thing I can assume is he thought he'd already been touched he was down whatever I don't know why he would think that um, because that was a clean clear recovery with no one around him when Parsons got that ball (laughs) and feels just I mean that was that was he looked he looked like Chris Akabusi or (laughs) I don't know. Um, who was, was, it, was the, it? Ed Moses? Was it Ed? That's right, yeah. 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 <laughs> it, was, it was almost a, a, an Ezekiel Elliott hurdle. Is what it, it was. It was a, that was a proper hurdle. Like he was, it looked for all the world like he had the ball and he was trying to avoid Micah Parsons. Quarterbacks are afraid of Micah Parsons, but they shouldn't be afraid of touching him. Yeah, not when, not when he's down and he's got the ball. You know, not when he's lying on his face. So anyway, yeah, um, Justin Fields, yeah, I'm sorry. That's unforgivable.
Just unforgivable. Um, so then we come to the next game, and it was the Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings. We, and I'd actually picked this as upset of the week last week. It didn't go our way. I thought the Cardinals were going to win. However, yep. in front of 66,742 fans at US Bank Stadium, the Minnesota Vikings prevailed 34 to 26. And really, all you could take away from this game is the fact that. Kylan Murray threw a lot of, you know, 44 passes, 326 yards, three touchdowns, those two interceptions. Oh, my word. And the Kirk Cousins for the uh, for the Vikings was just efficient again. 34, yeah. uh, 24 to 36, 232 yards, two touchdowns, rating of 103. Uh, what, what did you make of this one, Tim? What did you see from this game? Uh, exactly what you said. It was, you know, the you say you thought the Cardinals win it. The Cardinals could have won it. You know, the two interceptions, both in the second half. You can't survive that. That's if you do, you're you're unfairly lucky if you survive that and win the game. You know, that's just you can't do that. And Kirk Cousins, you know, I, I had him in my fantasy team last year, and um, you know, he's just he's just Mister Reliable. He probably deserves more success than he's had, um, but he's just he's just reliable all the time. He's a he's a he's a good he's a good quarterback. He's not, I don't think he's ever going to be spectacular, but he's reliable, you know, um, and Kyler Murray, quite the opposite. He will give you, he will give you a sensational performance and then blow it all by throwing two interceptions on, on occasion. You know, I, I think Kyler Murray is a, a great quarterback, but I do think, um, you know, just that little, uh, he takes, he takes chances both in his running and his throwing as well, you know, so, um, it's difficult to overcome those things against a, against a quality opponent. You're going to pay for those mistakes. Definitely. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, by the way, it doesn't look like he's missed a beat. No, not at all. <laughs> it's just, he made a spectacular 100 uh, touchdown catch in this game. It was, he, did. he just snatched that out of the air with one hand. Boop, thank you very much. I'll have that. Six points. Yep. Uh, he's, yep. DeAndre Hopkins might be the best receiver in the NFL right now. He might Ooh, be. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's I, I know that you know I'm seeing that and a lot of people would argue and say of course don't be ridiculous, um and they'll say you know Tiny Kills got more yards well yeah Tiny Kills played the entire season, DeAndre no, Hopkins DeAndre Hopkins look he looks like he's in mid season form, uh, and he just played a six game suspension, oh, sorry he did he sat out six games uh, for a suspension and he, right, he looks yeah. incredible and his hands but he was he was always like this. He's always been like he was against yeah. the Texans. He can catch anything. His arms look, they don't look unnaturally long when he's, you know, running. <laughs> but he seems to have this sort of extension and his arm just seems to fly out and snag the ball at the end. I don't know how he does it. Uh, but anyway, let's move on, Tim. And, well, wouldn't you know it? The uh, New Orleans Saints and the yeah. Las Vegas Raiders at Caesar Superdome in front of 70,009 fans. Mm-hmm. That. So anyway, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, not well a great record. You know they were two and four coming into this one. Saints were two okay. and five coming into this one. But the Raiders, we know they've got a good offense. Uh, the Saints defense hasn't been able to stop anyone. So what do they do? They shut out the Raiders, twenty-four to nothing. And <laughs> this was an awful game for the Raiders. It was absolutely terrible. They had now keep in mind that. Josh Jacobs, in my opinion, is like a top five or six running, but definitely the AFC, maybe even the NFL. Josh Jacobs is fire. He had 10 rushing attempts for yeah. 43 yards. That's pretty clear. 
the uh, and be- because of uh, other negative runs and stuff, the Las Vegas Raiders rushed the ball thirteen times for thirty-eight okay. yards. It was yep. pathetic. They ended yep. up um, um, Derek Carr fifteen to twenty-six for one hundred and one yards, one interception. Jared Stidham came in. 8 of 13 for 72 yards. They could get nothing done offensively. Meanwhile, Andy Dalton is reborn. 22 of 30, 229 yards, two touchdowns. Tim, give us your your two cents worth on this game. Andy Dalton is is better than people think. I mean, obviously, at some point, he will return to being a backup quarterback because he's a, a, a big, tall ginger guy and that's what they do um, the, you know, sorry so, is that the is that the prerequisite for being a backup quarterback look at look at cooper rush look at andy dalton there's there's millions <laughs> of gingers for backup quarterbacks and you know so but he, he, again he's a he's a good player and I, when he played for dallas i thought he was a good player he was a good backup qb as well and he had to step in for injury as well you know and he just he just gets the job done alvin kamara that's the thing you know alvin kamara is just you know, before the game, he said, I don't know if you saw it, but he said, we're going to beat the Raiders half to death. We're going to beat them. You know, we're going to, we're going to absolutely, because I had a disappointment loss the week before. And so Alvin Kamara says, that's it. I've had enough. We're going to beat these guys. Um, and the, the, the touchdowns that he scored, sorry, the, the running that he, that he accomplished, the touchdowns he scored, was it three touchdowns he had, Alvin Kamara? He had three, he had, a, he had a rushing touchdown in the first quarter. And then right. um, he had two receiving touchdowns. He had one in the second quarter, one in the third quarter. They, they, they basically just stopped trying by the end of the third quarter. The season. <laughs> yeah, this, right. Honestly, that, this could have been like 48 to nothing. Absolutely. Yeah, it, certainly, yeah. it could have been. Yeah. yeah. And I think Alvin Kamara was going to make sure of that single-handedly because the, 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 the touchdowns he scored, they were quite short passes. He was, it, was, it was all yards after the catch where he was scoring, and, and he was out there to, on a mission. He was going to make sure he kept his promise they were going to beat the Raiders. Yeah, it's really you know, it's like it's like Babe Ruth calling for the fence. You know, it was really impressive. It certainly was, and uh, now we're going to move on to an AFC East matchup between the New York Jets and the New England Patriots. Eighty-two thousand eight hundred twenty-three people at MetLife Stadium, and if there are three things in life that we know, Tim, it's death, mm-hmm. taxes, and Bill Belichick beating the crap out of the New York Jets. <laughs> never right. mind what the re- never mind what the records are. Just throw them out. Throw them out. And Bill Belichick's up against the Jets. The Patriots are going to win. And they did. 22 to 17. And the the scoreline in this really doesn't uh, reflect this game. The Jets, even though who they were winning uh, at halftime, it was weird. They, they were winning at halftime. But you looked at it and went, they... They don't look like they should be winning this game because they've been yeah. outplayed the entire game. And then in the second yeah. half, the third quarter was all Patriots. And the, the Jets did score a fourth quarter touchdown uh, with just like 151 to go in the game to make the score yeah. respectable. But oh my goodness. Yeah. Just talk about, I don't want to say being found out, but being outcoached. My yeah. word, yeah. they were outcoaching this game. What did you think of this one, Tim? Uh, well, the notes I wrote for this were very, very uh, short and not so sweet. Uh, my notes are basically two mediocre teams put on a mediocre display, and one of them managed to avoid losing. <laughs> was, this, is, this is the worst game I've watched in a long time. You know, and I just watched the extended highlights, but it, what a depressing game, honestly. If that's the best that you, know, the Bills have a have a, a, a score differential this at this point in the season, one hundred and five points, and it's no wonder if this is the kind of the company they've got in the AFC East. What a dismal performance! I just I couldn't couldn't rate it at all. It was it was painful to watch. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 
I mean, uh, Mac Jones, 24 to 35, 194 yards, one touchdown, one pick, nothing spectacular there. Zach Wilson, just he was just throwing the ball all the time. 20 of 41, 355 yards, two touchdowns, but those three interceptions. And once again, Tim, it's the turnovers. The turnovers will kill you. And uh, the Patriots just didn't make any mistakes. The Jets did, and they come away with a win. So then we move on to the next game. It was the Houston Texans, the Tennessee Titans at NRG Stadium. And 68,467 fans watched the Titans come away with a expected win, but a lot closer than most people would think, I reckon. 17-10 to 10 to the Titans and the Houston Texans. Now, I like Davis Mills. I think Davis Mills has overperformed from what he was expected to do. I don't think anyone gave him a chance. Uh, even coming into this season, I don't think anyone gave him a chance. Certainly not last year. And he's played well enough that I think a lot of people have, have sort of taken notice of, of him. But, um, as you know, I rushing. It's rushing the ball. That, that's what it comes down to. Tim, what did you see in this one? Uh, I saw Derrick Henry going, going and doing whatever he wanted to do. <laughs> so, you know, and, and Derrick Henry, if you recall last year against Houston, I'm sure he's had about 240 yards. Um, when when Derrick Henry goes up against Houston, he does whatever he wants to do. He runs when he wants. He scores when he wants. He just he just runs rampant over Houston every single time. And this is 219 yards rushing, two t- two touchdowns. Um, I think it was a total, it was a total of 314 yards rushing, something yeah, like that. For, so, for the <laughs> t- Tennessee, yep. the, 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 these are the rushing totals. Tennessee had more rushing attempts than Houston had rushing yards. <laughs> they right. rushed 45 <laughs> times for 314 yards and two touchdowns. Houston, yeah. 18 attempts, 43 yards. Now, to to <laughs> on the flip side of this, on the flip side of this, Malik Willis, the quarterback for the Titans, 6 mm-hmm. out of 10, 55 for yards, <laughs> one interception. Now, yeah. he got sacked three times for 15 yards, so he uh, actually ended up with 40 net passing yards. But you don't need to throw the ball when Derek Henry's going for damn near 220 and two touchdowns. And uh, who's uh, the other one? Uh, Dontrell Hilliard, eight for 83. Ten <laughs> yards a carry. I mean, yeah. Ma- Malik Willis rushed five for 12, so... Sick. <laughs> my what it was uh, just the, the Texans just could not stop this rushing attack of the Titans and th- that scoreline as I say a lot closer than people expected it to be um, oh absolutely yeah it, it really was uh, but the, the the Texans unfortunately never really looked like they were going to be in this game despite the close no. score so we're then going no. to move on to the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium 73,500 five yards and the three things in life we can count on tim are death taxes and the 49ers beating the rams it's that's just, right it's just <laughs> relentless at this point yeah <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm, I'm i'm sort of glad that dave's not here to hear this one being a rams fan the 49ers <laughs> beat the living hell out of the rams in this one it, it was just a domination from start to finish and um christian mccaffrey he can play can't he well, a bit. I mean, if that's the best he can do, he's going to have to try harder. You know, he, I mean, yeah, sure, he rushed for a touchdown, he threw for a touchdown, he also had a receiving touchdown. Yeah. But really, what did he really do? Uh, well, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, he's just a distraction more than anything else. 
I'm just I'm just hoping he gets injured before it comes to playoff time, or or that Dallas don't do sort of Dallas type things when they come up against San Francisco in the playoffs. I mean, you know, San Francisco are four and four now, but the Seahawks are only five and three. So there's every chance, you know, everybody expects the 49ers are going to go to the playoffs. And obviously, m- most importantly, the San Francisco 49ers think the San Francisco 49ers are going to the playoffs, and that's why they got Christian McCaffrey because they thought, all right. We believe we can get there. We believe he can get us through the playoffs. They, they're really they're making a bid for it. You know, I think um, that that has to be one of the blockbuster trades of the season. Getting C Mac on board. You know, I I don't rate him as highly as everyone else does. I know he's got a great record, but he's also got a huge record of injuries. You know, so he does. Um, he does. I think I think paying for him paying for him a full season's worth of wages and expecting to get a full season out of him is a bit sort of uh, pie in the sky hopes really. Yeah, and the thing is that in this game, the 49ers didn't have Debo Samuel. He didn't. He didn't play this game, but they did. They absolutely did not need him. Uh, as you mentioned, Christian McCaffrey <laughs> rushed eighteen times for ninety-four yards and a touchdown. He had eight receptions for fifty-five yards and a touchdown, and he threw one pass completed for thirty-four yards and a touchdown. Jimmy That's G, <laughs> Jimmy G, twenty-one, twenty-five, two hundred thirty-five yards, two touchdowns. Uh, you know, rating of one hundred thirty-two point five. The Rams just had no answer for this. At all. They, they, again, they're rushing. 21 rushes for 56 yards for the Rams. That's not yeah. going to get it done. How many times do we say this, Tim? You know, you've got to be able to run the ball. What do you think? There was a stretch where Dallas were, were uh, about 28 wins and zero losses when they had 100 rushing yards. You know, And I think that the model, the model of that shows is that is that your your passing game is carried by your rushers. You know, um, because you can't have everybody just drop off the drop off the line and cover receivers when you're terrified that somebody's going to cut inside and, and run for 50 yards. You know um, that that rushing game softens the softens the secondary to get to get some uh, um, to get the to get the passing game going. So um, you know it's uh, it works both ways, I suppose. But you know, this um, Christian McCaffrey is a is a is a is an unbelievable player. And I, I honestly, I said this in the group chat earlier in the week. Up until this weekend, I thought Janine Garofalo was the starting quarterback for San Francisco. Turns out it's not. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. It's easy mistake to make. Yeah. What? Good <laughs> Janine Garoppolo is very, she's very athletic. She could have been. You know, it's a brave new world out there. People, you can be whatever you want. You know? uh, okay. I'll let you, whatever you say. All <laughs> uh, right. So then we come to the, the, an interconference <laughs> tilt between the Washington Commanders and the Indianapolis Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. 65,515 fans packed in there to watch the Indianapolis yeah. Colts lose by one point with 22 yeah. seconds yeah. to go. When Taylor Heineke had a one-yard mm-hmm. rush at 20 seconds to go, 22 seconds to go in the game. Uh, the Commanders had no business winning this game. None no. whatsoever. Yeah. I'll put it to you, Tim. What did you make of this one? I didn't think Indianapolis had any, any business winning the game either. <laughs> you think this should have been another tie? Should have been it, a tie. It was the battle. Of, it was the battle of who could care less. That's what it was. It's a, it's a well, we can care less than you. Oh no, you can't. We're going to absolutely not give it a damn at all. Um, and I thought it was again a pretty a pretty poor performance from two teams that that on paper, you know, where is Jonathan Taylor? What is going on? You know, um, you just you just keep waiting for for that for that sort of level of performance for either one of these teams, you know, um, Taylor Heineke is a good, is a good player. He's a, he's a good QB. You know, you expect sort of yeah. things to, um, to start to turn, but they just don't. And uh, it's one of those years that is really odd across the, across the whole league. Lots of teams at three and four, four and four, five and three, you know, a lot of teams that are just sort of struggling to find that, to find those wins, you know, um, 
and then you've got the NFC East where everybody's great. <laughs> so, um, it's really uh, I have no idea where you're getting this from NFC East all being great. Uh, speaking of the NFC East <laughs> New York Giants uh, travel to yeah. Seattle at Lumen Field to take on the Seattle Seahawks 68,921 fans watch the Seahawks win that one fairly convincingly 27-13 the Seahawks are now 5-3 and three. the Giants are now 6-2 and two. and Geno Smith is he's got to be the story of the year, Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. In this game, 23 of 34, 212 yards, two touchdowns, a rating of 104.0. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue that Tua is the story of this year, as far as quarterbacks go. But for me, yeah, Geno Smith, I don't think anyone saw this coming, of how good Geno Smith was going to be. And he has been absolutely sensational. So kudos to him. Uh, did you watch this one, Tim? What did you make of this? I call the extended highlights and the, and the Giants defense is actually good as well. They've um, they're not giving up that many points. They're sort of, they're sort of keeping their head above water, you know, and, and at six and two, that, that shows, you know, um, I think they're, they're a good team that I think they probably deserve to lose this. And I thought Seattle, um, like I said earlier, it's a, it's a question of, of being found out a little bit, you know, um, and I think we've all had those, those, those seasons where our team is playing really, really well. And then they come up against a buzzsaw that absolutely just cuts them in half, you know, and I think that's what happened this week for the Giants is they came up against a, a team that just that just got it right. And to be honest, if not for DK Metcalf making a couple of a couple of silly mistakes, it could have been worse. It could have been it could have been thirty five or forty two to thirteen. Um, you know, really, um, the turnovers were were important again in this game. Um, you know, mistakes played a part in the game for Seattle with DK Metcalf and a couple of other small things. But I thought the Giants a little bit got found out. I think the Giants will respond well. I think they'll. I think because of the because they're six and two and because of the. I don't know, just like I said, the Geno Smith has brought a kind of uh, uh, a bit of energy to them, and I think it's. Um, I think they'll respond well. I think that they'll take this on the chin and go, "Okay, we know what we need to work on." You know, um, so they deserve to lose, but it was an upset of sorts. I mean, the Giants were six and one, so it is a it is a, a mild upset, I would say, but a good game to watch, <laughs> a good game, a, a good performance, both teams. Yeah. So then we move on to the uh, Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football at Highmark Stadium. I have no idea where that is. 70,863 fans watched the Buffalo Bills play right up until halftime and then just stop. Uh, And then after that, the Green Bay Packers were able to get back into the game because the Bills literally stopped playing at halftime. They just appeared to completely switch off and they still won by 10 points uh, it, bad, yeah the 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 first half was one of the most dis, despite the fact that you know the first half ended 24 7 it's not like the biggest lead of all time halftime but this might have been one of the most dominating performances i've seen in a long time the packers couldn't touch the bills in this one uh, and as I say, Josh Allen, for some reason in the second half, just started, I think he was just throwing the ball to the Packers players just to give them a chance <laughs> to make it interesting. It's what it looked like. And uh, my goodness, Aiden Rodgers just couldn't get a single thing done. No. Nope. D- d- nothing. Just nothing at all. Nope. And um, I mean, what else can you say about this one, t- uh, Tim? It was, I say, 27-17, but that's really flattering the Packers. It really is, and I think it's kind of you know you don't feel too bad because these guys are both loaded. But you look at Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and you think, okay, guys, the year that you should have retired is definitely last year. You know, this is really you know you you've hit you've hit the wall, and you're not you're just not performing. You know, you can't get things going. 
And it's not that you can say you wouldn't look at either one and say, "Well, he's a bad player now." I joked about that earlier, but you wouldn't look at either one and say, "Well, he's got, I guess he's terrible now." But when things just start to not work where they used to work for you, you have to start to think, "Okay, maybe I should have hung it up. Maybe maybe come back for that one more year was just a mistake." You know, and I think we're seeing that with with both these guys. And Aaron Rodgers is he's been a fantastic, player, one of the greats you know, of all time, and and he'll be remembered as that regardless of this year. He'll still be remembered as one of the greats. Um, but I think what they what you saw here was a, a Buffalo team that that. Uh, that again has a point differential of 105 points already, ha- not even halfway through the season. And you, you know, there's a reason for that. And it could have been, it could have been 50 to, to uh, 50 to 17 instead of 27. It could have easily been a much, much larger blowout. Um, but oh uh, yeah, I, know, I, I, as, as I said, if I'll, I'll read you some stats. Uh, mm-hmm. First downs, Green Bay had 21, Buffalo had 20. Rushing yeah. yards, Green Bay had 208, Buffalo had 153. Mm-hmm. Passing yards, Green Bay two oh three, Buffalo two one eight. Um, the time of possession, Green Bay thirty three and a half minutes, Buffalo twenty six minutes. Do you look at that and say um, turnovers? Green Bay had one, Buffalo had two. Green Bay, yeah. judging by the just just purely looking at that box score stats, Green Bay should yeah. have walked this game. Anyone looking at that would say, "Oh, that was a close game," or the Green Bay mm-hmm. win that one by you know. A few points. No. Buffalo were so far ahead of them. So far ahead. They literally stopped playing at halftime. They just couldn't be bothered. And they were just sort of yeah. chucking it around. And, and Green Bay got back into the game. Well, I, I say got back into the game. They never really did. And you always had the feeling that if they had got a bit closer, Buffalo would have just put it into another gear. And just... Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Maybe it, it really was. Me. Buffalo had that sort of kicking a puppy thing where they thought we have to stop doing this. This isn't right. That's, oh yeah. I, um, oh wow. Okay. I, I think we should maybe point out to our listeners that's never okay. Never do that. Never okay. No. So want to do that. No. Never do that. So let's move on <laughs> very swiftly. Indeed, we come to the Monday night game, and it was Ohio versus Ohio. Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals at First Energy Stadium. That's another rubbish name for you. Mm -hmm. 67,431 fans came in and nobody, I don't think anybody, thought the Browns were going to absolutely spank the Cincinnati Bengals. 32 to 13. The Bengals didn't score a single point until the fourth quarter, at which point the Browns were already up 25 to nothing. This was an embarrassment. Embarrassment for Cincinnati. 10 rushes for 36 yards in the game. Just awful. Uh, Tim, yep. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on this one? I thought Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper were firing on all cylinders. I thought uh, you had um, uh, Joe Burrow getting put on his backside every time he turned around. Five sacks in the game. It was just an absolute comprehensive drubbing that Cleveland put on him, and and like I said, nobody saw it coming. It wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't a result that anybody expected, um, but it was certainly deserved. You know, although having having said that, you know, it's I mean, again, the teams ended up now the Bengals are four and four, and the Browns are three and five. So again, are they that far apart? You know, it, you would have said before the game, you know, with Joe, especially Joe Burrow, he's in my fantasy uh, team. You know, he's my QB, and with his recent sort of two or three weeks performances, you would have thought. Oh, it's surely it's a win for Cincinnati. He played horrifically, and Cleveland made him play horrifically. You know, so um, it was pretty. It was pretty a uh, pretty thorough uh, kicking they took off of uh, off of Cleveland's. Really, it was indeed. Now you mentioned Amari Cooper there, so you know I know you feel bad about that one because um, is Amari Cooper the biggest steal of the season? Certainly, well, the, certainly of the off season. I mean, what the essentially? I, I always get this wrong because I can never remember. I think they swapped. 
seventh round picks and then um, got a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper. So Amari Cooper basically cost Cleveland a fifth round pick. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, if you look at that, you think that's that's a steal. You you think, okay, yes, that's definitely a steal. However, if you saw the relationship that Amari Cooper had with with the Dallas organization, and I don't like players who do this, and, and of course I'm a little bit bitter because he fell out with Dallas, you know, and that's my team. But um, I think when you see a player who's just who's just is just basically says, well, I'm not going to try for your team anymore. You might as well get rid of me. You know, is what it looked like because Amari Cooper had he had flashed of brilliance, but he wasn't by the end of the season he wasn't even trying. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was embarrassing to to watch the way that he just kind of w- would just you know sit on the sidelines and not really talk to anybody. He wasn't really interacting with the coaching staff. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't a part of that squad. And if a player decides to do that to to be that person, there's nothing you can do but end the relationship. You know. Um, and so I'm I'm glad he's doing well. I think it's good. He's he's found a fit. I, I would wonder what's going to happen if he if he carries on and and relationship sort of with um uh, with Cleveland don't go the way he hoped they might. You know, if he's going to have similar problems there, uh, I suspect he might. I was very, I wasn't impressed him last year with it, with his, with the way he went about, with the way he carried himself. You know, I thought he could have, yeah. I thought he could have been a bit more professional about it at times. Well, there you go. That wraps up our uh, week eight recap. And after this, we're going to have our week nine rapid fire preview. And I'm going to finish that off with some random stats for you. And we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Outer Hebrides, the NFL show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined by Tim Durbin. Um, so we've done our recap, and here we go with our Week 9 rapid-fire preview. And we start with the Philadelphia Eagles at the Houston Texans on Thursday night. Ah, oh, Tim, I don't know what you can say about this. I, I don't see the Eagles' uh, unbeaten streak ending in Houston. I've got the Eagles winning this one by a blowout. I've got a 35-10 win for the Eagles. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, Philadelphia, 300 to nothing. <laughs> it might be. We then, uh, we then move to the Sunday games. I've got the Buffalo Bills at the Jets, and you've already mentioned it, Tim. The Bills just look great, and the Jets look pretty ordinary. Uh, I'm not going to mention the game they played against the Broncos, obviously. Um, so I've, I've got the Bills winning this one as well. I've got the Bills uh, 41 to 20 winners over the Jets. I've got. I don't think the Jets will score 20, but I had to put a, a reasonable number <laughs> on that. I think it'll be a bit closer than that. I'm actually going to say that New York has a decent game, and uh, but Buffalo still wins. Uh, I'll say 17-10. Then comes the Carolina Panthers at the Cincinnati Bengals. I have no idea what to make of this. Which Joe Burrow is going to show up? I think it might be the Joe Burrow of two weeks ago and not last week. I've got the Bengals winning this one. Another high-scoring game I've got, uh, but I've got the Bengals winning this one 28-27. Oh, oh, quite close. Okay, I've got Cincinnati winning, and I reckon it's going to be about 27-10. Oh, right. Okay. And then comes the Indianapolis Colts at the New England Patriots. Uh, I think the Patriots win their second one in a row here. Got a low scoring affair, but I've got 16 13 to the Patriots. Uh, well, that sounds about right to me. I'll, yeah, I'll say Patriots as well. Um, I'll say um, maybe a bit more 22 10. 22 to 10. I like it. Uh, Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions. Do you know what? I'm taking the Lions. I reckon the Packers lose five in a row here. Um, I've got. I'm going to have the Lions seventeen sixteen. I'm going for it. Well, do you want, I'm, I've got the Lions as well, but I hope. I kind of hope we're wrong because I don't want. I don't want a Green Bay that's lost five in a row coming into Dallas the week <laughs> after. Um, but uh, I think that Detroit will find a win here. Uh, say uh, twenty seventeen. 
And then we then have the Miami Dolphins at the Chicago Bears. Uh, I, I can't see the Bears winning this one at all. Sorry, Bears fans. Sorry, Callum Blaine. Um, I've got the Miami Dolphins winning this one in fairly convincing. I've got it 30 to 21. Uh, no, I think I think the Bears are going to win it. I think the Bears play upset at home, um, but but in a close one, uh, maybe twenty sixteen. Oh, I like that. That's bold. That's bold. And then got the Washington Commanders at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, sorry, Minnesota Vikings at the Washington Commanders, and I'm going for the upset here. I'm taking the Washington oh. Commanders to win this game. I think it's going to be very close. I've got to go into overtime with the Commanders winning seventeen fourteen. Oh, I, I think not. I think I think Minnesota wins it. Convincingly, I think Washington, uh, stupid team, stupid name, you're going to lose uh, 27 <laughs> to 10. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, then I got the Las Vegas Raiders at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I've got the Jaguars winning this one. I think the Raiders are in the worst situation that they've ever been in. They actually appear to be getting worse as the year goes on again instead of better. <laughs> and I've got the Jaguars taking this one a 24 21. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'll take I'll take the Raiders in the mild upset. I'll take it to uh, say seventeen ten. We then have the Los Angeles Chargers at the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Falcons building this one come away with another win. I've got another one going into overtime. I've got the Falcons winning this one twenty four twenty one in overtime. I quite like that. I'll say I'll say uh, in just regular time Atlanta twenty seven ten. We then got the. Sorry. Sun- 2720, sorry, Atlanta. Ah, 2720, okay. We then come to the Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I think the Cardinals come away with a win here being at home. And I've got a fairly low scoring game, but I've got them winning this one 19 to 16. Uh, I think Arizona will just squeak a win out of it, but I think it'll be a bit of a shootout. Uh, I'll say 32 uh, 28. We then have the Los Angeles Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the Rams get back on winning ways. I've got them winning 24 to 16. Uh, the Rams at Tampa Bay. Oh, it's uh, yeah, that might be the game of the week, huh? Um, I'm not sure. I, I think I think the Rams get the win. Um, poof, 1916. Yeah, close one there. And then we have the Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming off the bye week, uh, you just know that Andy Reid's got something up his sleeve. Patrick Mahomes will be well rested and itching to go again. I've got the Chiefs absolutely putting the Titans to the sword. Although I think the Titans will score some points. I've got it thirty-eight twenty-four to the Chiefs. Um, tough game. It'll be it'll be the passing game versus the running game, won't it? Um, mm-hmm. I'll take um, I'll take Tennessee in a tighter game, say seventeen sixteen. Ooh. And we then have the Monday night game with the Baltimore Ravens uh, coming off a very long week, having played Thursday night the week before at the New Orleans Saints. And with apologies to you Saints fans out there, I've got the Ravens coming in and winning this one in a close one, but I've got it as 28 to 26. Yeah, close game again, uh, but like say a bit of a shootout, possibly uh, say 30-28 to Baltimore, sorry. And there we go. That is our rapid, rapid fire uh, week nine preview. So uh, basically, Tim, there's only a couple of things that we need to talk about. And uh, we've got a few trades that have been made in the last just in the last day. My goodness. We had the trade uh, window closed at uh, two. Was it two o'clock Eastern yesterday? And uh, the, the trades just went all over the place. They were flying in left, right and center. But not for your Broncos and not for no. my Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was one trade that the Broncos made, and I am very, um, I have ambivalent feelings about it. I'm not sure how I feel about it. 
I don't like it, but I understand it. Um, yes, but uh, we'll yeah. start with some some of the other trades that were going on. The, uh, okay, the Buffalo Bills, uh, the Buffalo Bills got safety Dean Marlowe from the Atlanta Falcons for a seventh round draft pick, and then uh, the Falcons got a defensive back from the Chiefs. They got Rashad Fenton uh, for a conditional twenty twenty three seventh round draft pick. Now then there was then this thing started to get interesting. The Bills did a trade with the Indianapolis Colts. They got mm-hmm. a running back, Naeem Hines, from the Colts in exchange yep. for a running back, Zach Moss, and a 2023 20, conditional fifth-round pick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you in on this one. What do you make of that trade? It's I, I'm surprised the Colts let Hines go. Yeah, I am as well. And, and anytime, you get, uh, anytime you get a running back for running back trade and one running back requires something else to be thrown in the bargain, you think, okay, that guy's got a point to prove now. He's going to absolutely have a point to prove. And I think, you know, you look at um, an, an, uh, an unequal trade like that, you think, okay, that's going to bless somebody with, with like I say, with, with an axe to grind. So it, I was surprised by it. I was surprised they would trade a running back for running back because it really, I thought, I thought Naeem Hines was a, a pretty competent performer, you know. And, and to be honest, if they were going to get rid of him, I would have thought they'd get rid of him because they don't really need that extra running back there that they could cope without him, you know, but then to bring in Zach Moss, you think, all right, okay. So I guess you do need a running back. So I don't, know, maybe there was, maybe the relationship issues with, uh, with management. I don't know, but it's certainly a strange one. We'll see how it works out. Yeah. I mean, we will see how that goes. It's, I, I'm trying to figure out whether or not that trade is, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know who, would, I think the bills win that trade. I think they've got a, a good enough upgrade and they're not really given, Given up much for it. Uh, now, uh, slightly earlier than that, the Eagles actually traded for defensive end Robert Quinn from the Chicago Bears um, mm-hmm. in exchange for a 2023 fourth round draft pick. And I think the yeah. Eagles, abs- that's a steal for the Eagles. I have that's no idea well. why the Bears gave that trade away, uh, giving away one of the solid, most solid defensive players for a fourth round draft pick. And then traded linebacker Roquan Smith to the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens in yeah. exchange for uh, AJ Klein, nothing wrong with AJ Klein, a, yeah. sec- a 2023 second round and a 2023 fifth round draft pick. Um, what do you think? The I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand this because I thought the Bears went in rebuild mode, uh, but yeah. not by trading away like, one of their best young players that doesn't <laughs> feel like rebuild to me that feels more like no. panic mode i mean what do you think of that that's right yeah i think robert quinn is a, he's a proven defensive player absolute steal for the eagles and i think the eagles brought him in really the eagles defense is strong it's one of the strongest in the league this year they didn't need that guy i think they're sending a message to the league we're in it to win it we're going yeah. for the super bowl again um, I think they've really made a strong statement bringing him in. I think it's a great signing for them. Uh, I wish Dallas had signed had signed somebody similar. We got we got somebody. We'll come on to the Cowboys in a minute. But I thought Robert Quinn. You know what a strong signing that is for the Eagles. Absolute absolute you know deal of the century for them. Yeah. Now I, I did uh, uh, speak to someone regarding the the Roquan Smith trade. In fact, it was uh, Jake that I was talking about about the Roquan Smith trade, and he pointed out to me maybe the reason that Chicago traded him was because of his uh, cap space, because he's going to be coming up for a, a career, uh, uh, sorry, a contract year, and uh, he's betting on himself. Now, they, they've basically freed up a lot of cap space, but this mm-hmm. might that cause... Was a, yeah, and this might cause a problem for the Ravens, because Lamar's got a contract year, and now they've That's signed right. Rokon Smith who's on a contract here. 
That's right. <laughs> so I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Uh, we then have oh, that, that's, that, that's a problem for next year. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Uh, we then have the Kansas City Chiefs. They signed wide receiver Kadarius Tony from the New York Giants yeah. because, of course, you know what the one thing they were lacking was wide receivers in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. uh, and what they gave up was a 2023 third round compensatory draft pick and a 2023 sixth round draft pick. You've seen Tony in a few games against your Cowboys. What do you make of this one? Would you think the the Chiefs didn't give up enough, or maybe even gave up too much? I think that I think possibly the Chiefs signed Tony so that when they play him and he gets injured, they got plenty of wide receivers to replace him. <laughs> <laughs> he should be called the glass the glass receiver because he honestly he, he just you you tap him and he falls over injury. He, honestly, I think he's got such a history of injury that it, you know, you've seen him in a few games. Nobody's seen him more than a few games. It's all he's ever played. You know, he's just he's just not um, he's not found a way to play yet in this league that keeps himself healthy. He's got, he's just been prone to injury throughout, you know? So I think he's got, um, he's got great potential and he's to, you know, uh, have we, we sip a man, man up juice every morning, you know? Um, Cause so far he's had some real tough, he's had some real tough times and they gave away a third round and a sixth round pick for him. I thought that's a real, I don't know. I think that's a, I don't think they, true, I think but, they paid but, too much. But money. remember it's the chiefs. So those will be at the, the, the back end of the, the third round. Oh, that's true. A third yeah, round pick from the Chiefs is low, basically low a, round, yeah. yeah, it's basically a fourth round pick by that point. That's um, right. The Minnesota Vikings uh, traded for tight end TJ Hawkinson from the Lions, and I was very surprised at the trade, um, not because of what was given, um, the, because the, the Vikings got TJ Hawkinson, a 2023 fourth round pick, and a 2024 conditional fourth round pick, the Lions okay. got a 2023 second round and a 2024 third round pick. So yeah. the the Vikings really didn't give up anything for this. Um, no, they didn't. I mean, they gave up a second round pick, but they got a fourth round. And they gave up a third round, yeah. they got a fourth round. And they got TG Hawkinson. Yeah. But I'm so surprised the Lions would trade it to an interdivisional rival. I know, I know, and Hawkins is a great player. He's a, you know, that's that's a that's an upgrade for for the Vikings. Who they got? No, Irv Smith is normally I think for the Vikings. Um, you know, and and Hawkins is an upgrade for most teams at tight end. He's a fantastic player. I think you know. Um, so I think I think you know I don't know, I suppose giving up a couple of fourth round picks is is a is a fair price to pay. But it's a it's probably a, good, a decent trade for both sides, really. But but I'm surprised they'd let Hawkins go given given the struggles they have already this year. Again, maybe they're looking at rebuilding. Maybe that's their maybe that's part of the game plan. Yeah, it it could be. Uh, then, t- talking about uh, picks at receivers, Chase Claypool got traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Chicago Bears in exchange for a second round draft pick. Chase Claypool has been sort of hot and cold for the Steelers, but um, the Bears had already traded away Allen Robinson to the the Rams in the off season, so they did need another weapon there at wide receiver for Justin Fields. Chase Claypool might be the guy to fill that gap. What do you reckon? Not that not that He's Justin great. Fields throws the ball very much. <laughs> yeah, well, no, exactly. But no, Chase Claypool is a he probably he probably throws the ball as much as uh, as much as the other guy. But um, he's a good receiver, um, really competent. He's he's been he has been up or down, but certainly worth I would say worth a second round pick for um, for the for the Bears to, to be on board and, and a good a good move for the Steelers as well. This is when you see all those teams that are that are at two and six start to get rid of some players in favor of you know future picks that are gonna that are gonna help them build for the future. So um, it's probably a good move for Claypool himself. You know, I would love to have seen Dallas get him, but uh, obviously Jerry Jones wasn't pulling the trigger much at all. So no, it's it's probably a good move for both teams. I think. And then we come to um, Miami Dolphins and Denver Broncos. 
Mm-hmm. So Miami um, traded for Bradley Chubb. So Miami receives Bradley Chubb and a 2025 fifth round draft pick. So without, you know, with all due deference to fifth round picks in 2025, if any of you are listening, um, yep. that's, it's it's not much in the way of, of capital. No. Denver no. then receives running back Chase Edmonds, um, 2023 first round draft pick and a 2024 fourth round draft pick. Now, I don't care about the fourth round draft pick, just like I don't care about the fifth round draft pick. Getting yeah. a first for Bradley Chubb, um, I think the, the Broncos were, I think they were missing the first round picks because of the Russell Wilson trade. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think they'll draft anyone who will be able to replace Bradley Chubb or be as good as Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb is a hard to Yeah. And, and he's just one of those guys who has had uh, problems with injuries, unlucky yeah. injuries. And yeah. I don't like the trade. I understand why they did it. They did it to get that first round draft pick. Um, and Chase yeah. Edmonds, I have no idea why they took Chase Edmonds in that. I would have said, no, give us another pick that we can use to yeah, trade exactly, for another yeah. pick later on. Yeah. They've got Melvin Gordon. They've got Mike Boone. They've got Latavius Murray. Love Latavius Murray. This guy can play. I mean, I know Chase Edmonds is one of those uh, sort of speedsters, very, very fast runner, um, but I just I don't understand why they that was part of the deal. I think, yeah. if anything, Miami won that because they got Bradley Chubb, they got a veteran, and they were able That's to true. offload uh, running back they didn't want. So, exactly, it's, yeah. it's it was, a, it was a, a bizarre trade. Oh, and speaking of bizarre trades, Tim, oh no, George, you know what, before I do that, I'll get your thoughts on the Bradley Chubb trade. What did you think of that? I think Bradley Chubb is a fantastic player. I think you, you just had to watch the rest of the season for Denver and see how it plays out and see it, you know, Bradley Chubb's an edge rusher, you know, so, you know, that's a, it's a strong position to have, you know, and so you have to watch how Denver performs against the passing game uh, between now and the end of the season. And if you see those, those passing figures for, for opponents start to creep up where you wouldn't have expected them to, then possibly you can, you can, you know, track some of it back to, back to not having Bradley Chubb there. Cause he, he'll be, you know, Bradley Chubb's a fantastic player. And I think, you know, um, I mean, Chase Edmonds to me, seems like just an afterthought compared to getting Bradley Chubb really. I don't think it was, yeah, I think it'd be a great signing for, for for the Dolphins. That's a great trade for Miami. Yeah, and um, just very quickly before we move on to the next one, um, they traded Bradley Chubb when Randy Gregory's on injured reserve, and yep. Baron Browning's on injured reserve. So your your <laughs> your other two edge rushers are, are injured, and then you trade me Bradley. Chubb. I'm like, I know you're on a bye week, but unless yeah, those two are coming back, <laughs> and, you know, in in two weeks' time. I don't get the trade. And uh, and uh, speaking of trades I don't get, Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars traded for a player. Um, They traded a 2023 conditional fifth round draft pick and a 2024 conditional second round draft pick. Now, the reason these are conditional picks is because the player they traded for is currently in the middle of an indefinite suspension. It's wide receiver Calvin Ridley from... (laughs) <laughs> from the Atlanta Falcons, I I I don't know. I, I, you know what? I I, mean, uh, I they've literally traded for a player who is suspended indefinitely. He, yes, he might never play again. That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. So, mm-hmm. I, I but you I know, don't, but you know who will play? 
who will play is is those conditional second and sixth round picks. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's just been there. Now, I hope for Calvin Ridley's sake that he plays. I'm, I'm sorry he's gone to the Jaguars. Um, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, Calvin. You'd have been much better off at the Falcons, but you know it's not your decision, yeah. unfortunately. Um, I just, it's that that's that's the most bizarre trade I've ever seen. It's really strange, and uh, and Calvin, these, these players that um, who was was Antonio Brown was the guy that had the sort of the 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 personality issues last year, and and you know, the um, some of the nonsense that goes on. But even Randy Gregory, Gregory who joined the, I was delighted when Randy Gregory left Dallas. Delighted because he had off field troubles, he had on field troubles, he had he had penalties in the game against San Francisco that were horrendous, you know. And Calvin Ridley is much the same. Problems off the field, problems on the field. And so you know th- these players, I just don't have any time for them at all. And I think there's a lot of coaches who see things the same way. It's like, you know, um, picking up Calvin Ridley, you know, somebody should have paid them uh, an awful lot of money just to just to take him. You know, Calvin Ridley should be playing for free just for just to not be working McDonald's next week. You know, it's um, and nothing as McDonald's, of course. But uh, no, these players, oh, no, these I players, love, I love McDonald's. it's not as good as Wendy's, but I love McDonald's. <laughs> Exactly, you're not wrong. <laughs> but these players are different problems. I, I've got no time for them at all. I can't. I cannot abide people that that that's go in and, and think there's such a great thing that they can behave however they want and still get the privilege of playing of doing what they love for a living. I think it's a real it's a real cheek to um, to, to to waste that opportunity, waste your talent like that. That's very true, Tim. And uh, that basically wraps up our uh, trades talk. My goodness, there was plenty of it. Um, so we're going to come to our final segment now. And I'm going to get you to introduce this one, Tim. Um, so this is, of course, our final segment. Would you like to see the magic words? This segment is called Random Stats. <laughs> it certainly is. This is called <laughs> Random Stats. Um, now, I'm going to give you a stat. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was watching some old um, YouTube videos uh, from, from the NFL. They have the NFL throwback, I think it's called. Yeah. And, and they have this, this channel. And they were talking about Eric Metcalf. Now, Eric Metcalf is one of my favorite players of all time. He was a kick returner, running back, wide receiver. He could do it all drafted in the 1989 uh, draft. That was the, the famous draft, you know, with along with Barry Sanders and Troy Aikman and Deion Sanders and Derek Thomas and Steve Atwater and just so many Hall of Famers in, the, in that uh, draft, 1989. But I'm not actually going to talk about Eric, Eric Metcalf. Um, because when I was watching the video, I was reminded of something. And it was his, his father, Teddy Metcalf. Now, Teddy Metcalf oh. played for the St. Louis Cardinals oh, uh, from 1973 to 1977. In that time, he was um, a three-time pro bowler. He was a second-team all-pro twice. And he was uh, second in MVP voting and third in MVP voting in 1974 and 1975. And the reason is that Terry Metcalf was basically Eric Metcalf before Eric Metcalf was born. He could <laughs> do it all. This man, in five years with the St. Louis Cardinals, had over 10,000. I'm going to say that again. Five years had 10,000 all-purpose yards. Unbelievable. It's just, it, it's it's hard to fathom how good this guy was. He had 24 rushing touchdowns uh, in those five years. He had nine receiving touchdowns 
in those five years. Um, but he also returned kicks as well. And it, like his specialty was, of course, you know, punt returns. And the guy yeah. could just absolutely do it all. Just an incredible, incredible player. Um, and that was Teddy Metcalf, the father of Eric Metcalf, who then played played many years, uh, not just with the Cleveland Browns, but I think he also played with Atlanta as well for a while there. Um, so that's the story of Teddy Metcalf. Five years, 10,000 yards, <laughs> all-purpose yards. Yet also, I should also point out, yeah, two uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns and one punt return for touchdown as well. And that's the story of Teddy Metcalf, and that is my random stat. What a legend, eh? Yeah, some guy, some guy. Um, do you have a stat for us, Tim, or shall we call it a day there? I've got nothing for you this week. Maybe next time. Not at all. In that case, Tim, thank you very much for joining. I really appreciate it. It's good to have you back on the show. We'll then need to get you back on again very soon. Thanks for having me. And uh, in the meantime, you'll have my voice anyway. I will. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably be sending you another another email saying, Tim, any chance you can do another wee, another wee voiceover for us? Just put another <laughs> one in here. Just another one there. Um, no and, and there you go. Thank you very much to, uh, to Tim Durbin there. And thank you to everyone who's uh, tuning in. You can find us, of course, on Twitter at The WinFL Show. You can find myself on Twitter as well. Um, Tim, are you on Twitter? Uh, uh, no, not on Twitter, no. All right. Well, I don't. It's just an absolute haven of um, <laughs> obscenities and uh, people just being horrible for no reason. And, of course, Elon Musk bought it now. So he, he owns it then now. I, the, the rumor is he's going to be charging. I don't know this is a thing. He's going to be charging people that, yeah. uh, for verified, the the, what do you, the blue tick. The blue tick, yeah, the blue tick. For the tick. verified account to charge £20 per month, right? No, well. So Stephen King pipes up. I've been keeping an eye on this because I'm on Twitter. Stephen King yeah. pipes up and says, I'm not paying £20 a month. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> says, why would I, well, why would know, I pay for this? This is but Stephen King novels, you know, for twenty quid, you can buy like Stephen King's forty best-selling books at the charity shop. <laughs> so Stephen King says, "I'm not paying this," and then Elon Musk replied to Stephen King, and he says, "Oh well, we need to pay the bill somehow. How about eight dollars a month?" And then everyone, like, hang on, is that eight dollars for Stephen King or eight dollars for everyone? <laughs> and then the thing is, I'm, I'm sitting, there, I'm going, hang on, isn't Elon Musk at the moment like the world's richest man, and he's yes, yes, trying yes. to explain? Why Stephen King should pay to keep his verified blue tick thing on Twitter. And then I think Stephen King then said, well, well you know, or it wasn't Stephen King. Someone else had mentioned on, on the, the thread, someone else commented, said people like Stephen King and other verified people that other people follow. Uh, they're the creators. They're what draws people to Twitter. People don't go on to Twitter to see what Bob from down the road is saying. No one cares. Or maybe, maybe, maybe Bob. I don't know, there isn't anyone actually called Bob who stays down the road for me. I'm just saying. I'm, you know, this is a hypothetical Bob who stays down the road. No one cares what hypothetical Bob is actually saying. They, but they do care what someone like Stephen King is saying. Or, yeah, or they, they, you know, whoever their favorite author or musician is. Or, you know, this is, so they'll follow these people. And how do you know you found the person? They've got That's the blue right. tick. So here's the thing. I suspect president, that, well, you, yeah. So, so yeah. So president President Biden, right? President Biden has a blue tick. Yeah. If he refuses to pay the twenty, I'm just you know again I'm I'm, I'm spitballing here. If he refuses yeah. to pay the twenty dollars per month for yeah. his blue tick, 
According to Elon Musk, he will lose his blue tick. That's no longer verified, <laughs> right? So then, theoretically, Tim, you could uh, pay $20 a month, change your handle to Joe Biden, yeah, and then it'll say Joe Biden and have a blue tick verified account on it because you're paying $20 well, and the president isn't, and then you can just start tweeting it anything you want. I'm just saying, not saying you should do that. Not, but not necessarily. I mean, there's, you know, I, I assume that you'd probably actually have to prove that you were who you said you were, apart from paying the fee, you'd actually have to provide some evidence that you were who you said you were. But all that, Joe Biden, you know, I mean, even Joe Biden doesn't know who the real Joe Biden is. <laughs> so not. are we really changing anything? I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm not going to get into American politics on a on a, an NFL podcast. No, just, please don't. I, don't, I refuse don't to do, refuse <laughs> to do that. But it's just it's insane. I, I was I've been following this back and forth, and Stephen King's going, hang on a second. He says, you know, I'm creating content here. You should be paying me. I do this for nothing. And millions of people look at this because, you know, he's got millions of fans. And he's yeah. right. And there's, there's loads of people with millions of fans and they, you know, they follow them and they watch these things they see. And because of that, Joe Bloggs is exposed to all the advertising that goes on. Now, Elon Musk saying, oh, well, you know, you can't pay the bills with advertising. Are you sure? Because there's a million adverts, you know, every minute you're scrolling and it's just advert after advert after advert. If I see one more Bet365 advert, I will pull my hair out. And I don't have much <laughs> hair left, you know. I'm just sitting here and I'm going, I'm going to, in fact, I had a haircut today, right? Had a haircut today and every time I get a haircut, a Approximately once every four to six weeks, give or take. I don't, you know, I don't have much hair, so I don't need to get it cut all the time. And every time the, the wee woman shows the, oh, apologies, the wee woman, <laughs> she's listening. Uh, she won't be, it's an NFL podcast, what am I talking about? Anyway, every time she shows me the back of my head with the mirror, right? Yeah. So so two things go through my head at this point, as, as she's showing me this. First thing is, um, I'm, I'm getting balder all the time. It's the first thing. <laughs> the second thing is, it, it doesn't matter what that looks like. What does she think I'm going to say? Do you know, does she <laughs> think I'm going to go, that's not acceptable. That's, that's, like, know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a terrible back of a headshot. Well, well, what's that? What's that supposed head. to be? Does she honestly think, because she almost does it. And I said, listen, I, I trust you. I've been mean, going to this yeah. woman for a year. She could literally just carve something, you know, like a, a swastika into the back of my head. I wouldn't know because I don't even look at him. I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, cool. And walking out of a shop, and you know, so, so, I mean, yeah, the the three people that you should never upset in life. This is, you know, this one. This is life advice for every single person listening to this podcast. There are three types of people you should never upset: the person cutting your hair, the person driving you home, and the person making you food. Absolutely. Agreed. That's it. Now, there are other people. This list is not, you know, exhaustive. <laughs> so, but, you know, if there's three things you can take away from that, just don't, just don't upset these people. So when they show you the back of their head and it's awful, it's hacked to pieces, you're just like, thanks very much. That's great. Yeah, I love it. Cheers. It's good. Love it. I'll be back. And never, you never, be. ever. Don't, don't get Stephen King to cut your hair either. <laughs> <laughs> How would you know it's him unless he's got a wee blue tick next to his name? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't it's know. Bound to be in the it's yeah. So uh, so there you go. <laughs> I don't know. I sorry, I kind of went off there, Tim. I do apologize. <laughs> I do apologize, and I apologize to the listeners as well. Um, so there you are. So, <laughs> thank you very much, um, Tim, once again for putting up with my nonsense, and uh, <laughs> we will catch all of you on next week's edition of the NFL Show. Thank you. <laughs>